Welcome in, everyone, to Fun Friday here on the Paul Farrington Show. Paul Farrington joined alongside Robert Ziggy Ziegler and Michael Rotundo. Gentlemen, happy Friday. One of the best, if not the best day of the week where we are back once again. Uh, Michael, uh, you're dog-sitting today? Yeah, I'm dog-sitting. I mean, I'm like doing that every day from now on until I get a job. But... <laughs> I'm just having a dog sleep in my bed right now. No distractions. Whatever pays the bookie. Whatever pays yeah, the whatever bookie. Yeah, whatever pays the bookie. <laughs> and it's great to be on the best Friday sports show in America. Yeah, prob- prob- probably up there. Top 10, top 10 sports shows in America. At least those that are unknown. And a little bit later, we'll be talking about a sports show that we, we do not think is a top 10 Friday sports show in America, to put it lightly. But that's, for, that's a little bit later. That's a little bit later. Yes, yeah, so we have a great show for you guys today. Pretty quick hitters, but we're going to begin with Tom Brady and the Dolphins. And then, as Ziggy said, we'll get into a terrible take, a take I completely disagree with. And we'll hear from uh, Michael and Ziggy on it as well. We'll, be, we'll get to that in probably about 10 or 15 minutes here. Let's start off Tom Brady and the Dolphins. Reports are starting to surface that this was a move that was almost, almost happened. It was very close to becoming a reality of seeing Tom Brady in South Beach my goodness, what what Instagram content we would have gotten from him down on South Beach. But one can only dream. All right, here's the story. The Dolphins were planning on bringing in Tom Brady as a minority owner. The plan then was to try to facilitate a trade with the Buccaneers to bring Brady and obtain his player rights, eventually getting him to come out of retirement and join the Dolphins. So on top of that, the Dolphins were hoping that they could lure Sean Payton from the Saints. They they reached out to New Orleans. Allegedly, they reached out to New Orleans about a potential trade offer and try and form a little bit of a, a super duo between Peyton and Brady. What broke all of this up was the Brian Flores lawsuit. It was filed the same day that Brady announced his retirement on February 1st. And if you remember correctly, there was an unnamed player in there that Flores alleged that Dolphins owner Stephen Ross wanted to tamper with. He wanted Flores to meet with someone, an, an unnamed quarterback, on on Stephen Ross's yacht. That quarterback, as confirmed, or at least we believe, from the Palm Beach Post and NFL.com, was Tom Brady. And Brady actually showed up on the boat. Flores did not, but Brady was there, which shows that there was at least some interest from Tom Brady in having this plan work. And if you remember on this show... Myself and Ziggy both said Brady doesn't actually want to retire. He just wants to get away from the Bucks. So all of this would fall in line with that being Brady's plan. He wasn't ready to walk away from the game. He was ready to walk away from Tampa. So that's the story we have right now. That's the story that is probably going to be there and die, die as it is. But it's very interesting to me that Brady had so much interest in going that he actually showed up on Ross's yacht. And here's a prediction for you guys. I think that the Buccaneers don't win the Super Bowl and the Dolphins don't make at least the divisional round. So Tua doesn't have a season in which there's real progress made or at least convincing progress that he could be a top 12 quarterback in the league. I think Tom Brady, who's a free agent at the end of this year, winds up in South Beach in 2023. 
this is this is just a crazy story, Paul. You know, we know tampering goes on in the NFL, right? We know that players recruit other players, text messages are sent from burner phones, secret meetings happen. Like we know all that happens. But I don't think we've ever seen something quite as audacious as an owner trying to trick their head coach into getting on a <laughs> yacht to have a meal with the greatest of all time to try and convince him to come to Florida to go to the Miami Dolphins. Like, that's an unbelievable story. And, you know, in this case, because of this lawsuit, we might actually find out a little bit more. But between this and the accusations of paying for losing games, like, Stephen Ross is not coming out of this looking good. It seems like he might have panicked, tried to get Harbaugh. It didn't work. And this Sean Payton plan, like, it just it sounds like something out of a movie. You know, it is. We're going to try and bring in this great coach. We're going to try and bring in the greatest quarterback and we're just going to try and win some games. Tom Brady gets his two games against Miami or against the Patriots. You know, he's beating the Bills twice. Like you have to think you have to think that Stephen Ross is sitting there with a little bit of Scooby Doo uh, vibes saying, and I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for this lawsuit from Brian Flores. Imagine if that had worked out, though, for the Dolphins, Brady. Tyreek Hill potentially, Sean Payton, that all of a sudden that becomes probably the most heavy media followed team in the NFL outside the Dallas Cowboys. Crazy. Crazy storyline. Yeah, no, and it would have been even crazier with the additions they already have gotten with like Tyree Kill and everyone. Like that offense would be like crazy. But now that offense is just average to slightly above average with Tua. And I agree with what you're saying. Tua is just going to be average. I don't think that there's going to be some progress with that team, but not as much as people think. So I don't even know if they make the playoffs this year either. And if Tom Brady went there, they were automatic Super Bowl contender. Well, and let's say, Mike, let's say, like I was just saying a moment ago, they don't make the playoffs, okay? We know that Brady didn't want to be in Tampa Bay this season. He hasn't publicly said that, but it's pretty clear he was ready to move on from the Buccaneers. If the Dolphins don't make the playoffs – and two is not the guy, which I think is very likely to happen because they play, I believe, the AFC North, and then they also have games against the Packers, Vikings, Chargers. It's a tough schedule for Miami. They're in a very difficult AFC. If they don't live up to expectations, is there a chance that Tom Brady, who becomes a free agent at the end of the year, says, hell, I wanted to get out of here last year. Why don't I go down now to a competitive team? Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are there. I have great weapons, possibly better weapons than I have in Tampa Bay right now. Is that is that a possibility, Ziggy? It's a possibility he goes there, but I, I don't think the world is prepared for Tom Brady free agency. We saw um, all the moves teams were willing to make, all the cap space they were willing to clear, all the draft picks they got lined up in order to take a chance at Deshaun Watson. And, you know, yeah. some teams like the Saints and the Falcons really suffered for it, but... Tom Brady, as a free agent, will probably sign a pretty cheap deal who can go anywhere who you don't have to give a bunch of draft compensation for, who teams don't have to feel morally unsure about acquiring. I think if Tom Brady enters free agency next offseason, we're going to see an even crazier offseason, an even crazier arms race than we got this year. A team's trying to convince Brady to come there for one last ride. Do you think that, do you think that the expectation would be one final year with them? Or would they be trying to keep Brady for possibly two years, seeing how long he could last? I think teams will want to see how long he can last, but look, it doesn't matter. 
if you are confident you can get one year of good play out of Tom Brady, you do what it takes. And, you know, the, the worst case is you've brought in a bunch of quality talent. Well, let's say the but Dolphins yeah, no. do make the wild card. So Buffalo wins the division. Miami sneaks in as the six or seven. And, and Tua has an okay season. I'm personally willing to trade Tua and bring in Brady just for one run. I, I'm going all in on one season. Of course you do. No, but there are probably some Dolphins fans who say, Tua's 24 years old. Is, is there any reason to keep him rather than go for it for one season with Brady and then have to reload? Think about this. Um, imagine. Oh, I, 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 no, here's this. Here, I think it's a similar situation to this. Uh, what the Browns were facing last offseason, they were thinking, oh, Baker Mayfield, he's shown some flashes. He's been good. He's been bad. We're going to keep him and try and make one more run with some talent around him. It was a disaster. If you aren't convinced that you have a great quarterback, you do whatever it takes to get one for however long it's going to go. And the reason that the Dolphins would absolutely do it, unless unless if Tua leads them to probably the conference championship game even, I, I'm not quite sure that there's a world in which Stephen Ross would not take Tom Brady and get rid of Tua Tagovailoa. Tua might have no say in any of this. And, I mean, here's the thing. The better Tua plays, like, you think the better Tua plays, the less likely they are to get rid of him. But there's an area where if Tua plays well enough to get them into the playoffs and look strong, but not good enough to lead them all to the way to the Super Bowl, you could definitely convince a team like the Seahawks, maybe, oh, looking at DK Metcalf. Yeah, we'll send you a potential franchise quarterback for a nice wide receiver to pair with Tom Brady. Like, it's a no-brainer. That's ideal. That is a, that's what Dolphins fans should be rooting for next year. They want to be good enough so that people acknowledge Tua as a potential franchise quarterback, but not so good that they sacrifice Tom Brady. Unless he takes them to Unless the he conference takes championship or the Super Bowl. Yeah, actually, you know what? Of course, they should be rooting for they should be rooting for Tua to be incredible. They should but want if, Tua to be as good as he can be. And yes. if that caps out at medium playoff run, okay, we'll bring in Tampa Tom. Yeah, can, can you imagine? Wow, that would be that'd be big time. But Brady, part of me wonders why he wouldn't want to just stay in the NFC. Your competition are the Rams and the Packers right now. If you go to the AFC, there's there's so much to deal with, though. You do get to play Belichick in New England twice, and I'm sure that's appetizing to him. I'll, I'll tell you why Tom Brady stays. I do not think Tom Brady is scared of anyone. I truly do not think that there is a single player, except maybe Aaron Donald, that Tom Brady looks at and gets a little nervous. I don't think there's any quarterback in the entire league who Tom Brady doesn't look at and think, I can beat him, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, no matter what quarterback you pick, Brady's been here longer, he's done more, and he's played better. He's got yeah. nothing to be scared of in the AFC. At this point, it pretty much just comes down to his comfort level, where, where he wants to be and whether or not he thinks they can win. And anywhere he goes, he's going to think he can win. So there's this radio show called The Bottom Line. It's on Woodward Sports Network, hosted by Ryan Armani and former Browns receiver Braylon Edwards. And the other day, I happened to catch a clip of it where Ryan Armani said, is it a Detroit Lions podcast? Yeah, they're, 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 it's Detroit sports. Like, it's, it's based Detroit, out yeah. of Michigan. Armani's a lifelong Michigander. Like, okay, this is okay. what they do. So it's a Lions podcast. And Armani said, I'd rather them take anyone other than Hamilton. 
referring to the Lions' second pick and Kyle Hamilton in the upcoming NFL draft. And then he goes on to say that he doesn't think Kyle Hamilton is a playmaker or a difference maker on the defensive side of the ball. And he says, I'd rather have Thibodeau. I'd rather have Sauce Gardner. I'd rather have a myriad of players other than who most people say is the best prospect in the draft if you were to disregard position. We did this topic last week. Who's the one guy you, you will be like, oh, no, because if the Lions PTSD. pick him. To me, it's Kyle Hamilton. Uh, <clears throat> I, and I really hope I'd rather them take an opportunity on Sauce Gardner. Yeah. I'd rather them go with Thibodeau. I'd rather them do anything other than take Kyle Hamilton. It's almost like when you put the game film on, and I watch Notre Dame a lot. How can you not? Um, when he's on the field, I just don't NBC. feel like he's a difference maker. He just wasn't that that difference maker that you saw Aiden Hutchinson take over a game. Hell, in the UCLA game, you did see that from Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah. Uh, Sauce Gardner, nobody's taken half the field away for his entire for the entire year, let alone. Yeah a game um you have these defensive players who just take over a game and i just never saw that from him so i look at that and i uh, my opinion personally is okay i can get behind a lions fan saying i'd address, rather address a position that's not safety but to then go on this tangent and say i don't want him because he's not a playmaker that's where i start to get really annoyed and to say sauce gardner what about jeff akuda just a couple of years ago, you took you took a risk on Akuda, and Akuda. I don't even he want to say he was a risk. risk. He wasn't a risk. No, he, a couple he of years ago, you took Akuda, who was supposed to be a done deal, surefire thing as a lockdown cornerback. And Akuda's very close to being labeled as a bust in the NFL, if not already a bust. So to take a little bit more of a risk there on number the second overall pick on a guy like Sauce Gardner, passing up on Kyle, I I just can't get behind that at all. Go watch the film on Kyle. You're telling me this guy isn't a game changer? Watch Florida State. That's the one everyone's going to bring up. Watch Florida State. Watch Purdue. He's in the backfield. He's, he's making plays uh, 30, yards, 30 yards past the line of scrimmage. This guy, he can do it all. I got very upset about this. Am I right or wrong? This is what people don't get about what makes Kyle Hamilton good. Kyle Hamilton, he's certainly very good in coverage. He might be the best safety in coverage entering the draft. But that's not what makes him so good. What makes him so good, here's the difference between safeties in the NFL and safeties in college. Is in college, if you're a safety and all you can do is coverage, that's no problem because their team's probably got better linebackers and better D-line who can stuff the run. But in the NFL, safeties are expected to be able to diagnose run plays, rush up, and make tackles when they need to. And Paul, you saw a lot of Kyle Hamilton. How often when it was a run play and Kyle Hamilton was asked to make the play on the ball, to hit the to hit the running back, how often did he miss the tackle? Very rarely. Basically never, right? It was stunning. Not even once a game. Not even a once a game average at Hamilton's screw up. And I'll tell you, Lions fans should know how this goes. They drafted in 2019, they drafted Will Harris out of Boston College. Excellent looking safety. A lot of athletic ability, a lot of ability to make plays when the ball was in the air. He's done absolutely nothing because he can't stop the run. So if Hamilton, you're getting an extremely rare safety who's already the complete package. He can tackle. He can read plays. He can play coverage. He can go in as like a linebacker position if you need for certain defensive sets. You know, you could put him in a slot corner and he'll be fine. Safeties are asked to do so much in the NFL. You look like what a guy like Tyron Matthew can do. And there's no reason 
to think Kyle Hamilton can't go as high as someone like Isaiah Simmons, who people are talking about. Man, anywhere you put him, he's a defensive coordinator's dream. And Simmons has worked out quite well for the Cardinals last year, played basically all their snaps. Yeah, there are certain guys. There are certain guys that you you take and you can just put them anywhere on the field and they'll make plays. I think Kyle's one of those guys. Look at Aaron Rodgers. He says Harrison Smith gives him fits because of how tricky he is disguising his coverage, how Mike Zimmer was able to use him. You don't think that defensive coordinators could have a field day with Kyle Hamilton? Look, I, I again, I can understand wanting to address another position, but if the reason you're not going to take Kyle is because you don't think he'll be useful or a difference maker... That's where I draw the line. And then Braylon Edwards. So, so Ziggy, Ryan Armani says this. And, Mike, I don't know if you've seen the clip. I know Ziggy has. Ryan Armani says this whole spiel about Kyle Hamilton and who he'd rather have. And Braylon Edwards, I think, follows it up with an even dumber comment that Notre Dame players in general just do not pan out in the NFL. Something about, it's something about Notre Dame that just doesn't translate <clears throat> into the NFL. I look at all these great players that Notre Dame has had in terms of in college. They don't pan out in the league. And if you want to specifically focus on the safety position, Tom Zivikowski, nothing. Glenn Earl, nothing. Jerome Sapp, nothing. They don't pan out in the league. And he even said Notre Dame safeties don't work out in the NFL, to which, as you could imagine, Mike, a Notre Dame fan like myself or a Notre Dame fan like Ziggy is screaming at their phone saying, Harrison Smith. Zach Martin, Quentin Nelson. Hell, Will Fuller was good for a few years. Claypool. There are a lot. Kyle Rudolph, Tyler Eifert. There have been a lot of good Notre Dame players in the NFL. A few superstars. I didn't even say Ronnie Stanley. The the only position you can knock Notre Dame on is quarterback. Our quarterbacks have not done especially well in the NFL. But, man, you talk about defensive players. You know, that's like normally. Drew Tranquil's been great for the Chargers. There may not be a ton of superstars, but outside of the Alabamas of the world, how many schools really can you say there are a a very high number of studs? Clemson is probably in there with their receivers. But really, Notre Dame is doing just fine in terms of NFL talent. So I, I was very upset as a Notre Dame fan to hear that. And the Lions certainly know this of Julian and Romeo Okwara. Manning both sides of the edge of their defensive line. Ridiculous. Yeah, no, real quick, though. <clears throat> Wait, was Kyle Hamilton injured in, in this past season? Yeah. A couple of games, right? Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to go back to his 2020 season. If Played you look 11 at games, stats, I'm going to lose it. 51 solo tackles. 12, I don't know what that stat means. AST, it's whatever. Assisted Assist- tackles. Assisted tackles. Okay. So... And I was watching him throughout the year, and a lot of his pass co- – Zig, you made a good point with um, the run coverage, but his pass coverage, he just decks people in the open field. Like, I've seen a lot of plays where people catch the ball and they just get flattened. Yes. And then also, he's very Use good at your tracking. eyes. Yeah, he's very good with tracking the ball also. Like, I've seen plays, I think twice this year, where he was on one side of the field and he intercepted it all the way in the opposite side of the field. And I know sometimes college doesn't convert to NFL, but what I'm seeing from him alone, he's going to be incredible, I think. And he's a top 10 pick in this draft, maybe even top five for a reason. And I don't know how popular it is. I mean, I'm sure it's decently popular, but 
sometimes on a show and the views aren't all the way there, you have to say some uh, ridiculous things to uh, get those views up. And I think that's the deal with this show. No, I mean, people people have been saying this, you know, since, ever since Kyle Hamilton's 40 times went live, right? And it looks like he ran like something like a 4-7 at Notre Dame. 40 times mean nothing. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, he's fast on the field. But since then, you've had a lot of reporters saying, oh, Kyle Hamilton, a lot of teams are getting low on him. They're not nervous. They're, they're really nervous. He's not that fast. I'll tell you what's happening. You've got a lot of teams right now, teams like Washington and Pittsburgh, teams with those lower picks that are just praying that Kyle Hamilton gets passed on. So they're doing everything they can. They've got their sources working overtime, telling the media that (laughs) Kyle Hamilton is trash and no one wants to take him. Just because they want to get him. It's crazy. Like, the 40 time is so irrelevant. The Rams have figured this out, and the rest of the league has too. If you've got a player who's fast on the field, who gets where the ball is going and is there to make a play on the field in real time, I do not care what their 40 time says. If Kyle Hamilton ran a 650, I would not care. Because we've seen the evidence. All you need to see is how he plays football. Watch the tape. Just watch the tape. Did you watch a Notre Dame game this year? It's called the eye test. Some people decide to forget about it. I think he winds up going either 4, 5, 7, or 10. That's that's the Giants and Jets picks. And I'd be surprised if he falls out of that. If he were to fall out of the top 10, he's not getting by Washington at, at 11. But there are some mock drafts that I've been looking at where he's fallen, you know, past the commanders, to the Vikings, even even into the 13, 14, 15 range. And, and I just shake my head and say, one, that's not going to happen. And two, how, how could it? Anything after 10 is a steal for Kyle Hamilton. Huge. Steal. Absolute steal. Huge steal. Yeah, I'm not. I'm even not, if the Giants get him at 10, that's a steal. A lot of the same people who have him falling at one point or another had him listed as the number one overall prospect or have said he's up there to be the number one prospect in the draft. Look, if you have a playmaker, a guy who you think could become an all-pro, you don't pass on him. So I'd be very, very surprised to see Kyle fall out of that top 10, really even that top eight in all likelihood. But I, cu- I couldn't believe what I was hearing from this, this, uh, this show. When you've got an opportunity to take a mix of Isaiah Simmons and Justin Simmons, an employer who's pr- probably the biggest mark against him is that he had one like personal conduct foul, and a, he's a little grabby in coverage. Look, if Kyle Hamilton slips out of the top 10, I think there's going to be a frenzy of teams trying to trade up to get him. Yeah. You just don't see talent like that very often. You know, People are going to talk about Jamal Adams. They're not the same player at all. I do not. Very like different. Him. Very different. Of course, no, of, boy. of course, no bias here, right? Of course, no bias. You don't have what well, I'll tell you what I'm biased towards, Paul. I'm biased towards the truth. And the truth says <laughs> Kyle Hamilton's going to be a star. Yeah, I said I think he'll be a top five safety in the league within, within his first two years. All right, guys, before we wrap it up, the final thing I want to do on the show, I had a little guessing game for you. I, I was going to make this multiple players, but, but, We'll just do one, and then we'll close the show. Between the two of you guys, I want to see who can guess the player first. I'm going to read off a couple stats on someone. Now, to make it so it's just not rapid fire from the two of you, you get one guess. Okay, so you can both lose this game. So so don't go too quickly. All right, you ready, Michael? I'm going to get it wrong, but go ahead. What kind of stats are we talking about here? Not really stats, but just facts facts? about them. Facts about them, a couple, a little bit of statistics. All right, I am a quarterback. I threw for 3,734 yards last year, 21 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. 
I played in the divisional round of the playoffs last season. I played in the SEC in college. I used to be a wide receiver. I played at Texas A&M. I was drafted by the Miami Dolphins. Did Tannehill really make the playoffs last year? Oh, they did, didn't they? Oh, you guys are horrible. That's all I had. I thought for sure after I I said it. I said I wasn't going to get it. You you were supposed to shout it out. You're supposed to shout it out when you knew. It's Ryan Tannehill. Okay. You guys are horrible. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I got it. I got it. After I got through seven different hints. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) The point is someone got it. (laughs) The point is someone got it. I actually had no more. The next hint was... I'm the quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> All right. Next time we do that, next time we do that, we'll be a little more, a little more efficient with it. You know, first time, first time. Um, maybe I can be a little slower on the hints as well. So there you have it for the fun Friday edition of the Paul Farrington Show. Robert Ziegler, Mike Ortundo, Paul Farrington with you today. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel, our Instagram page, TikTok. We'll start getting more content up there. And if you have any suggestions or anything at all, Please uh, feel free to reach out to us. And congratulations to Tom Caffrey for winning the Paul Farrington Show Bracket Challenge. He wins the first piece of merchandise we will ever have, correctly picking Kansas with his good 4KU bracket. Love the Olivia Rodrigo shout-out. All of it was just perfect. Tom, congratulations. We'll get you your shirt. uh, Take an easy way out with these picks. Take an easy way out. Hey, Mikey, like you just said a moment ago, you got it right. Yeah, I know. That you was my second right. pick anyway. You you were saying it all year, Mike. All year you were saying Kansas. And you let Jack lure you into Texas, Texas no, Tech. No, I like Texas Tech every, before Jack. Every, every year you guys all have your picks, and then it's Jack comes up. Straight. It's been two Jack years comes straight. up with some ridiculous. It's been two years straight. West Virginia was actually, like, stupid. Texas Tech They're was smart. Stupid. Texas Tech could have beat Duke. They, were, they lost in the final minute of the game. Well, here you are. Sweet 16 limited. We all lost. We all lost, except Tom. So congratulations, Tom, uh, and thanks, guys, for listening. We'll see you on Monday.